Welcome to the Apple Insider Podcast. This is your host, Stephen Robles, and this episode is brought to you by Masterclass, Headspace, and Startmail. You'll learn about those in a second. And don't forget, you can get an ad-free version of the show at patreon.com slash appleinsider. To talk about all the new iPad Pro, iMac, Apple Music stuff, my friend Wes Hilliard. How's it going, Wes? Pretty good, Stephen. Uh, coming at you through the pure, pristine audio of lossless compression. No, no never mind, actually. You wouldn't <laughs> tell the difference anyway, but I lied. Okay. Yeah. You know, we are going to talk a lot about that. Music, lossless, spatial audio. Apple made those announcements earlier this week. But we have so much to get to. We're going to try and jam through as much as possible. I have my my hot tea here to help my throat. Basic Apple guy, he's, he recommended I get ready for this week's episode. So we're going to do it. We're going to try and hit all of it. First of all, as listeners are hearing this, if they listen to it on the day it comes out, provided Apple Podcasts actually releases it, I should be receiving an M1 iPad Pro and smart keyboard Apple TV is still in the wind. I haven't gotten a delivery notification about that, but it will be coming. And so on the next episode, I'll be able to give some personal thoughts and the experience I have with it. This is actually the last episode I'll be editing on my 11-inch 2018 model. So a little nostalgia there. But have you gotten any shipment notifications on your iPad Pro? No, I think it's going to be, it says between June 2nd and June 9th. So smack in the middle of WWDC. Uh, we'll <laughs> see. I don't think I'll have it for the next episode but the one after that i'll be on ipad os 15 on the new ipad so oh, that'll be fun that's right that's right yes we'll have to see what comes of that so ipad pro reviews the embargo lifted this past week on wednesday that's all the names that you recognize had their ipad pro reviews go up mkbhd i justine renee ritchie the verge and a number of other ones you know a lot of those reviews i'll put links in the show notes to those videos so if you want to check those out you can watch them but a lot of those reviews basically said it's an iPad, it's still really fast, and the screen is really nice, but it's still an iPad. And so I feel like every review had this caveat on the end. One, don't buy a product now based on the promise of software updates in the future. Some pie-in-the-sky idea of iPad OS. So totally get that. And also that it's still an iPad, which we understand, we get. But I'm still excited about it. One, because in MKBHD's video review of the new M1 iPad Pro, he really said that he felt a difference in the RAM performance, that as he was opening multiple apps and using the task switcher to go back to apps that were open, you know, several apps ago on his iPad Pro, it felt like every app was just sitting in RAM and nothing was having to be frozen or kicked out of RAM because it has 16 gigs of RAM. He had the terabyte version, so if you get the one or two terabyte version, it comes with those 16 gigs of RAM. So I'm excited to try out that RAM, even in multitasking with Ferrite as I edit a podcast and something else. Maybe it's Safari or even Lightroom side by side. I'm very curious to try that out. But it was nice to hear that the RAM sounded like a difference. And the screen, of course, everyone commented that the screen looks great. You know, it's an XDR display. Many compared it to the Pro Display XDR, saying it was on par with that. Some said it was the brightest display they've really ever used. And so if you use your iPad Pro outside a lot or you're a mobile creator, that's pretty useful. But what did you get out of some of those iPad Pro reviews? It's it's as expected. This is uh, new hardware without any of the software. It's like reviewing a PlayStation 5, but the only thing you could play was PlayStation 4 games. <laughs> I mean, everything's snappier. I'm sure Safari's amazing. Open 100 million tabs. But this is only... 20% of the story, not even half. If Apple comes out on stage at WWDC and says, all right, here's widgets on the home screen and walks off stage, I'm I'm, I'm going to throw an iPad through a window. It's, <laughs> I, I don't yeah. think that we're going to see Apple come out here and say, hey, here's this very expensive iPad with up to 16 gigs of RAM. 
and the processors that you can find in the Mac and then do nothing with it. And um, everything that these guys are testing, it's all basically, quote unquote, pre-release hardware running pre-release software. None of the apps are optimized for the M1 chip. We're not seeing anything. There's There's been some weird situations like uh, the guys testing LumaFusion are seeing, you know, speed ups in certain things as far as navigating the app uh, and na- navigating large video files is much faster. But rendering hasn't changed. And apparently right. um, between the A12Z model and the M1 model, uh, they're getting identical render times. And this might be because of optimizations or, or whatever. I mean, right. these apps are built with what, uh, four gigs in mind. And then the, the maximum previously was six gigs. And now we're talking eight gigs minimum up to 16. So yeah, big changes coming for this software. For sure. And so I'm, I'm excited still to get it. You know, a lot of pictures of the white magic keyboard. It seems like Apple sent every reviewer the white magic keyboard to try out because it's a new color. I totally get it. And I'm excited to get my mind shipped as we record just Thursday, like I just got the shipment notification, but it says it's still coming tomorrow being Friday with the iPad. So I'll be able to get them together. So excited for that. But it does look pretty cool in pictures and some of the videos and the big controversy that the old 12.9 inch magic keyboard would not fit the new model. That is now a thing of the past. You can definitely use the old 12.9 inch magic keyboard for the iPad pro with the new model. It is a millimeter thicker, the new 12.9 inch. You can see pictures and videos where it's slightly like bent out. I mean, it is so slight. I mean, you really have to look very closely to see that millimeter difference in the iPad and Magic Keyboard, but you can use it. It works fine. All the video reviews said the same thing. Uh, Jason A10 had a written review as well. So if you have an old 12.9 inch Magic Keyboard, but want to get the new iPad, you can still use that old Magic Keyboard. Yeah, I, I never thought this was going to be that big of an issue. For me personally, like if you hold these up side by side, if you or splice it together in Photoshop or something, so you can see what this looks like in each case, you can tell that there's a difference. There's absolutely a little bit of a closure difference. I wouldn't be too picky about it, but I already have the new Magic Keyboard, so I think I'm just going to keep it. Selling an old iPad to somebody will be. Uh, much easier when I can say, hey, you also get this, you know, very expensive keyboard included at my discounted price. You know, (laughs) it's just one of those things where I'm not going to be too picky about it. I like that it fits the old one, but also I'm enough of a purist that I would want the proper magic keyboard with the iPad. I think this is just Apple, again, avoiding some person with some calipers saying, look, it doesn't actually (laughs) fit this, uh, you know, outer edge of the iPad sticking out ever so slightly. And they were getting ahead of thicker gate. That's all it was. You gave me that term. Thicker gate. We'll talk about the iPad Pro more once we have it in hand for sure, but links in the show notes to those reviews. Also, if you're listening in Apple Podcasts and if they haven't fixed the ability to actually click links in the app, you can go to appleinsider.com slash podcast and all the links are there in the article for you. In addition to the iPad Pro embargo being lifted, the M1 iMac, the new 24-inch model redesigned, that embargo lifted this past Tuesday. You know, what's difficult about all these computers is they're all the same computer. Everything is the M1 now. You got the iPad Pro, iMac, Mac Mini, MacBook Air, MacBook Pro. Everything is the M1 right now. So as far as performance and specs and all that, we've already talked about the M1. It's an amazing chip. It's really fast. It's great. So it's really more a story about the hardware design and the hardware features of these new iMacs. And the big thing that people were talking about as they were announced was that white bezel. And I thought, MKBHD, you know, he does a great job at all this stuff. But as he was reviewing the colored iMac, he filmed it in a room with white walls and made the point that... A lot of offices, maybe even homes, 
probably have light colored walls. You know, not, not many places have walls that are dark gray or black, especially where you're putting in this computer. You know, if you have an office, it might be dark. But in the common areas where you would have this consumer level iMac, whether it's a family room, the white bezel does blend away into the background when it's against a lighter colored wall. And he had a couple camera shots really showing how it just kind of fades away. And so totally get it. It's probably not a big deal. Even if you don't seem crazy about the white bezel, it will probably just kind of melt away into the background. But as far as the design, they look cool. They're fun colors. I just seen unboxed like every single color. So if you want to see a video with every of the seven iMac colors, you can watch her video, but it looks cool. You know, it looks like a fun computer. It's a fun redesign. All the braided cables and color matched accessories are really nice. And so it's a great entry level M1 iMac if you're in the market for an all-in-one. Pretty much what I expected. Everyone wanted to comment on the colors and the white bezels. And it's like you said, every, everybody has, you know, these, uh, generally speaking, these brighter uh, living rooms and stuff. So these bright colors might stand out, especially. Makes you think, though, how many places are you going to actually have these things set up so you can see the front and the back? Right. Most of the time, you might have this tucked into a corner or against the wall. So all the new bright, rich colors are kind of wasted on that. For me, I live in this dingy brown house with wood paneling everywhere mm. so uh i can't I, I can't take advantage of the bright colors i have to wait for the space gray <laughs> versions to come sure. out so i can just live in darkness right but <laughs> okay, um, very good i just think it, it's a good sign of like what's coming I'm, I'm excited to see like what the macbook airs and everything look like with this design right i'm really hoping that we get to see the peripherals for sale separately as well a lot of weird things have come out about these iMacs since uh, the reviews started dropping like apparently andrew tried to get a trackpad with his iMac and you had to select it at checkout but you can only exchange the trackpad or mouse you can't get right. both and right. apple's being very weird about this so I'm, I'm wondering what the accessory story is here and apple did say that magic keyboard with touch id built in this new colored model will work with any m1 mac so if you wanted to get it for the m1 mac mini or even get it because you use your m1 macbook pro in clamshell mode maybe in bridge vertical dock that it would work with other m1 so surely these will be sold separately this is also on the heels of apple discontinuing the space gray accessories which i thought was an interesting move <laughs> you know they're just saying you know no more gray no more space gray gonna go all white in color so Surely they'll be sold separately eventually, but it's weird that you can't get it right away for sure. What do you think about the rumors about how Apple's going to release everything ever rumored at WWDC? I mean, everyone's really wanting there to be the, the Pro IMAX or maybe a Mac Pro uh, min in miniature. You know, it just every, everybody's in, uh, once again, it seems like every time we're up coming to an Apple event, it's just everything's coming out, guys. Get ready for it. And it's I don't think we're going to see any hardware at this event. So John Gruber commented that so many announcements that Apple has released in the past week, and we'll touch on some of these later in the episode, but even like the accessibility features that Apple added, which are amazing features, huge news for the people who use those features, that really felt like it could have been a WWDC announcement. You know, it is a software thing. These new accessibility features, even the Apple Music, which we'll talk about in a second, the lossless and spatial audio, those are software features. And WWDC is where Apple talks about their software features. Yeah, if you saw me, if you saw me on Twitter, I was very adamant. I said, why would Apple announce something like Apple Music software editions 
a week, you know, two weeks before WWDC, it just doesn't make sense for the company. But I guess unless there's just a lot to talk about, this event seems like it's going to be jam packed. Right. And even if they just talk about iOS, iPadOS, TVOS, watchOS, what is it like home? Well, they're not going to talk about HomePod. They just, <laughs> just continue that, but hmm. they're going to talk about all these things. So it does seem like it's going to be jam packed and they're trying to get some of these other software features announced and out to save time on WWDC, I think there will be some hardware announcement. I don't think it's going to be a lot of things. I don't think it's going to be several computers. But because it's the developer conference and developers are one of the major use cases for pro machines, I could see Apple either announcing the larger iMac model or maybe that redesigned 14-inch and 16-inch MacBook Pros with the more powerful M chip. But there was a rumor, and we could just touch on it now, that you know the 14 and 16-inch will be coming soon, could support up to 64 gigabytes of RAM. And this report was from Bloomberg talking about all the things that will be coming. I'll put a link in show notes to that. But I think we'll see something. We'll see some hardware announcement, but not a lot. You know, I think we're a ways off from the redesigned MacBook Air that John Prosser leaked and definitely away from the Mac Pro because we haven't gotten anything close to that kind of powerful computer in the lineup right well we'll save our predictions for the for the next show i'm on because that's the thursday before wwdc but oh yeah i'll go ahead and say though that i believe that since last year apple ended the conference keynote with uh, information about their move to apple silicon they didn't announce the m1 processor but they talked about the advancements they had made to get there i believe that this would be the perfect opportunity to step on stage and say this is what a pro m series processor looks like and that yep. they may not drop a name you know maybe we'll finally get to hear about this 30 core monster that uh, people keep trying to tease us with so <laughs> whatever it is m1x m2 i think apple is ready to give us something and maybe not a mac pro or pro hardware but i think we'll hear the chipset story at the very mm. least yeah that's a good point well, we'll put the links to all the iMac reviews and show notes. You can check those out. Let us know if you watched them. Let us know if you got one. I'd be curious if anybody out there got one of these new iMacs, what color you got. One other thing I will say, I agree with MKBHD where he said, you know, make the iMac a few millimeters thicker and get rid of the chin. I feel like that has to be the next move. You know, just having that screen without a chin would look amazing. And I, I don't buy the story about it has to have a chin because that's the iconic look. Like, I don't think so. I, I think Apple could totally remove the chin and it would look great. So maybe they're just waiting until they can do it without making it any thicker, a la Johnny Ive. I don't know. We'll see. But that that's my point of view. I personally don't have anything against this chin. Um, just like with the notch, once you're sitting in front of a screen and staring at it, you're not looking at what's around the screen. You're looking at the screen itself. So This is true. You know, looking at the desk or whatever from from afar and saying wow that's a pretty desk setup i love it but uh you're you might notice there's a chin on that monitor but otherwise i don't i don't think anyone's going to notice it's just another weird little picky thing and while i agree a full screen monitor would make sense i think this isn't so much the iconic chin thing but i do think it might be a, a visual differentiator from other models because we still haven't seen the Pro iMac, and maybe that is the iMac with the Pro Display XDR style design that we've heard rumored before, where it's just maybe it's a iMac 6K with uh, that crazy looking cheese grater design on the back of it. Who knows? <laughs> yeah. I think this isn't the full design story, and maybe once we see those Pro iMacs, the design of the consumer iMac might make a little more sense. 
This episode is brought to you by Masterclass. With Masterclass, you can learn from the world's best minds anytime, anywhere, and at your own pace. You can learn about movie scoring and composition from Hans Zimmer, scientific thinking from Neil deGrasse Tyson. You can learn cooking from Gordon Ramsay, and you can even learn about adventure photography from Jimmy Chin. You know, we've been talking about music on this episode of the Apple Insider Podcast, and that's why I loved the course that I did with Hans Zimmer learning about movie and film composition. You can see his in-home studio. It has beautiful cinematography, and he talks about melodies and how they're attached to characters and themes. And you get to see his whole setup as he passionately talks and teaches you about music composition for film. And I also highly recommend the course by Chris Voss on negotiation. I read his book, Never Split the Difference, but seeing him on video in this course in Masterclass can give you negotiating and communication tools that will be extremely valuable, especially if you do freelance or work with clients, honestly, in any business situation. Just incredible things you learn in that course. You can also watch Masterclass wherever you are. You can watch on your iPhone, your iPad, apps on Apple TV, or just watch on the web. I like starting on my iPhone, and lessons are only about 15 to 20 minutes long, so you can do one on a lunch break. And if you're on your phone, you could flip it to audio-only mode and then listen to it like it's a podcast. There's also downloadable lesson recaps and supplemental materials. So if you do a cooking class, you can have a beautiful downloaded guide that's basically like a high-end cookbook. I highly recommend you check out Masterclass. Get unlimited access to every Masterclass, and you're definitely going to want to do more than one. And as an Apple Insider listener, you get 15% off an annual membership. So go to masterclass.com slash Apple Insider. That's masterclass.com slash Apple Insider for 15% off Masterclass. Our thanks to Masterclass for sponsoring this episode. All right, so John Prosser, big-time Apple leaker. I have to say, he had quite a week with leaks and renders. You know, he had the MacBook Air render, the colorful MacBook Airs. We talked about that on the last episode. Then he released Google I.O.'s, like, promo video for Android 12, wild that he got the entire video and whatever his source was was cool with him just showing it on his front page tech youtube channel so then he had that plus the google pixel render and if you're interested in that and what that looks like i'll put a link in show notes to those those renders and what that looks like and then this week another leak where he got an apple watch series 7 image you know he's not sure exactly if it's 7 or something else he just got an image of a redesigned apple watch Renders by Ian is the guy that John Prosser works with. He's on Twitter making these renders from the images. And they do the renders so they don't put the actual pictures out there to protect their sources. So I totally get it. The renders look amazing, I have to say. But for the Apple Watch Series 7, this redesigned Apple Watch is basically an Apple Watch with flat sides. I mean, you imagine the transition from iPhone 11 to iPhone 12, rounded side to flat sides. That's what this Apple Watch looks like. If this is accurate to a redesign that's coming from Apple soon... It's like an Apple Watch, but flat sides. It looks good. My initial impression is like, yeah, that looks cool. It looks like a little bit of a more modern take. It matches Apple's other product lines like the new iMac, iPad Pro, the iPhone 12. So it looks pretty cool. And he also said it might come in a new color being green, which he shows in a lot of the renders. But I don't know. What do you think about this Apple Watch redesign? Uh, It's interesting. It moves a little bit away from classic watch uh, designed to more of a very techy geeky look mm. because right now when I look at my Apple Watch I see eh, I mean it's obviously a piece of technology but at the same time there's the rounded corners there's still a physical 
instrument attached to it that looks sort of like a watch. But looking at this guy, looking straight on, it's a screen. It is a full display on the side of your arm. And now we're getting into just having a display on your wrist and nothing else. I mean, maybe eventually we'll we'll get into that Futurama position of having just a thing on your arm you poke at. But it, <laughs> it, it just it looks different. It looks very techy to me. That alone makes me a little bit iffy on this render. I'm sure the source is great or whatever, but think about it. Apple said that they're fashion forward. They're going to be very conscious of what people are going to put on their body. And here we have what's essentially now the flat-sided iPhone on your wrist. And I guess before it was the curved-sided iPhone on your wrist. It's just we're moving away from that fashion aspect, I believe. I I would like to hear from maybe more picky people who actually care about a design and how this looks. And there's there's something else about it, too. It, It does just look very square and flat even to the edge that is resting on your wrist. I mean, how, what, what's the difference between what we have now, which is kind of a rounded glass surface resting on the wrist versus what looks like almost a flat pancake sitting on your arm. So right. obviously it's just renders. They don't have the full picture, but it, it does make me kind of question where we're going and what we might see in the future. Cause now we're so close to a circle. Why doesn't Apple just make a circular watch as well? <laughs> yeah. And John Prosser, one of the other leaks he had was the upcoming pixel watch or the next, you know, Google watch. And it was a round circle face. I've heard from watch enthusiasts, John Gruber being one and other people that, you know, a piece of technology like an Apple watch is not going to resemble a mechanical watch on a variety of levels for a long, long time, if ever. And so when they wear an Apple Watch, they tend to lean towards, let me just treat this like a computer on my wrist rather than an analog watch, to the point of not liking analog watch faces with the hands because it's trying to mimic something and it's not good at mimicking it, and they lean more towards the digital. So I would be curious about watch aficionados, but they might be leaning more into the techie side because maybe most of the people wearing Apple Watches are not watch aficionados. I know I did not wear a watch prior to the Apple Watch. I just, not something I did. I had my phone. I look at the time. And so for me, you know, I don't, I don't have an appreciation for mechanical watches. I mean, I appreciate them from a craftsmanship standpoint and some of them look very cool, but for most people, maybe the tech angle is the way to go. It does look like there's less bezels because of this design, because the edges are flat. If you look at it straight on, which you as the user of the Apple Watch is how you use it most of the time or how you view it, it would limit the amount of bezels because right now you have that rounded, you see the metal, titanium, aluminum, or steel, whatever it is, around the edges because it's round and not and not flat. So it does look a little bit less bezel-y in this design. But we'll put the picture in show notes and in the chapter art so you can check it out and let us know what you think. I'll make one last note here and say that Maybe the fashion move was smart at the beginning when mm. we were just when Apple was just trying to get this thing on as many wrists as possible. But now Apple is essentially the smartwatch market. I mean, <laughs> yeah. sure, people still go out here and buy Fitbits, but we're talking about $30 Fitbits versus $300 Apple Watches. If you're spending $300 on a smartwatch, you're pretty much buying an Apple Watch at this point. And Apple knows this. So yeah. I believe that now maybe after, what, seven years of having Apple Watch on the market, we can finally start moving towards the more digital future of this thing. And people will now just say, oh, it's an Apple Watch. I want it. And maybe not think so much about what it looks like. So one other quick update 
after Apple released the release candidate for iOS 14.6, and they've gone to calling the gold master editions of iOS and iPadOS updates release candidates or RCs. So if you're wondering what that language is, it used to be yeah the industry term of golden master release of a software, meaning if you download this, it's technically beta, but it's actually gonna be the same thing we released to the public. Apple is now calling it the release candidate. So iOS 14.6 is in release candidate phase, and so it should be coming very soon. Looks like early June. It might be one of those at the June 7th WWDC keynote. Apple just says, iOS 14.6, available today. And that will bring Apple Card family sharing to the iPhone in 14.6. Most likely podcast subscriptions and channels will be coming in 14.6, hopefully a fix to the app overall. And the new Apple lossless spatial audio stuff, which we'll talk about in a moment. But after announcing that earlier in the week, then Apple released betas of iOS 14.7. And as far as I know, this is the second time ever that Apple has gone up to a seven in the point releases. The first number, the big number is the OS, the major OS change, iOS 14, 13, 12, and coming 15 at WWDC. And then the point something are those in the year updates or mid-year updates. So there is apparently going to be an iOS 14.7. Now we don't have a lot of details about what is going to be new in that iOS version, but one thing, this is very minor, but some people might love this and I'm actually <laughs> encouraged that this is going to be part of it, is you will actually be able to manually set and adjust timers on your home pods in the home app come iOS 14.7. Now that, that might not sound like anything interesting to you all, but for me, my kids yelling at HomePods to try to set timers is an effort in futility. And they just get confused and the wrong HomePod hears it. And then they don't know when the timer goes off. So actually being able to set timers manually via the Home app for a HomePod is pretty cool. So I'm glad that's coming. And we'll see what other details come from iOS 14.7 in the future. It's very curious because it... it point update like this kind of says that there's going to be some sort of major feature associated with it. And if Apple Music and podcast payments are all a part of 14.6, that means there's something big probably coming for 14.7 that we don't even know about. And right. if the timeline's correct, as I understand it, um, Apple promised paid podcasts by the end of this month, May, 14.6 will be out any day now before the end of the right. month. That's going to include the Apple Music stuff, which is due in June. So there's probably going to be a switch Apple Flips server side to enable that feature once everyone's on 14.6. 7, that's going to be after WWDC. So I would expect maybe we'll see some features coming from WWDC announced uh, there and then released right. a couple weeks later. So definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's it's funny, though, to think about because now, say, like with the timers for HomePod, now we know, well, there's probably not going to be a timer change for between 14, uh, iOS 14 and iOS 15 now because, right. you know, everyone wants <laughs> timer handoff, so to speak. So you can start a timer on your mm. iPhone and stop it on your HomePod and, you know, back and forth kind of thing. But obviously that's not going to happen. We just get timer settings and HomeKit. Great. <laughs> and hopefully just more bug fixes overall, especially, I'll just say it again. The Apple Podcasts app, please. <laughs> Marco Arment, who makes Overcast, he actually gave me some information and went back and forth via email for the article I wrote about why Apple Podcasts is broken. But every week I see that ATP podcast just come up like it's supposed to, and I'm like, man, how come they don't have any issues and we have all these issues? Yeah, did you see that they recently released 91 episodes? That was that was pretty good <laughs> on them. Very productive. <laughs> and then, and in some move of providence, I felt justified that, okay, if the ATP guys have an issue with Apple Podcasts, I'm, I'm just glad we are not the only ones here at Apple Insider. And it's been 
sometimes better-ish. The last couple of episodes, some people have said, I got it on time, or I got it on the day, or at least I got it in the first 24 hours. But the ATP guys, they couldn't access their podcasts and Podcast Connect for a few days. And then, yeah, I got the notification about ATP has 91 new episodes. It's like, okay, it's not just us. So I'm just glad it's not anything I'm doing. So listeners, Apple Podcasts is really broken right now. Maybe you can hear this. If you're listening to my voice, you're obviously doing it in some way. But I encourage you to check out Overcast or Pocket Casts or Castro or any of the amazing third-party podcast app, at least in this interim period where Apple's podcast app is just hopelessly broken. But hopefully it gets fixed a little bit in 14.6. This episode is brought to you by Headspace. If people keep telling you you should try mindfulness and meditation and you just feel like you don't have the time, let me encourage you. I highly recommend you check out Headspace. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Do you feel overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Maybe you need help falling asleep. Headspace has a wind-down session that their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. After using Headspace for 30 days, it can lower your stress by 32%, and just four individual sessions can reduce burnout by 14%. But when I take the time to do Headspace, especially just doing a few minutes every day, it makes a world of difference. I can be more productive, I can focus more, I have better concentration, and I don't have this weight of stress on me. I've even done Headspace sessions with my kids. They have unique sessions for kids about attention and mindfulness, and it's just fun to do as a family. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime and anywhere. You deserve to feel happier, and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash appleinsider. That's headspace.com slash Apple Insider for a free one-month trial, and you can access Headspace's entire library, their full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now, so go to headspace, just like it sounds, dot com slash Apple Insider today. Our thanks to Headspace for sponsoring this episode. So Apple also announced a bunch of accessibility updates. Some of these updates are wild. First of all, for the Apple Watch, they're coming out with new features in Assistive Touch for Apple Watch where you'll be able to control the Apple Watch using the heart rate sensor, motion sensors, and on-device machine learning. And so you can operate it with a single arm. Like you won't have to touch it to interact with it or to use it. And that's pretty amazing. Also in iPad OS, an update is going to be coming later this year that supports third-party eye tracking support, meaning that it can track your eyes as you look at the iPad and you can control it just by looking. And I remember watching documentaries when I was younger about the kind of amazing computers that people who were unable to use their hands and their arms to control a computer would use their eyes to move around a screen and blink to actually click and be able to operate a computer just by looking at it. And the fact that this could just be built in to a device like the iPad where someone can use it just with their eyes looking, that opens up an entire world of possibilities for people to be able to interact with these devices and 
just be able to use them at all. Incredible updates to accessibility. I'll put a link in show notes with all the updates and changes to accessibility. Uh, And one of the last ones too, is that a service will enable Apple customers to communicate with retail staff and Apple Care employees by using American Sign Language, British Sign Language, or French Sign Language right in the web browser. So imagine with camera and all this kind of stuff, being able to communicate that way. And one other one, they are actually going to add baked-in background sounds to iOS that could help some users minimize distractions by utilizing white noise settings or environmental sounds like ocean and rain. This is only, you know, depending on maybe you just like white noise, maybe having white noise actually helps you concentrate and focus. And there's lots of apps out there to do it, but some of them are kind of janky and, you know, depending on how much they cost or in-app purchase or subscription. And some of them are great. Uh, Endel is one that has like kind of atmospheric music and, you know, you can get night sounds. But the fact that Apple is actually baking that into iOS, I'm very curious how that's going to work and function. And that might be something that I use just as I work. So... I don't know, really cool stuff. Yeah, it looks like you can play some noise while listening to other audio, which is uh, really interesting. So, like, you'll be able to just have white noise or ocean sounds playing while you have music on. I wonder how the mixing is going to work on that and how that'll sound, but it's pretty interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. I think the most interesting technology out of all of these, I mean, iPad getting more peripheral support, that's awesome. Obviously, we have a USB-C port. Let's use it. Right. The most interesting thing here is Apple Watch. Just everything they did there is just a technological achievement. It, it's insane. Yeah. The The heart rate sensor is tracking tendons under your skin to see if you're pinching your fingers. It's it's wild. I'm, I'm very excited about this because not only is it amazing for accessibility, it's amazing for technology in general because yeah. this kind of stuff can roll down from accessibility to us eventually through just general things. Like think about the cursor for iPad. That was an accessibility feature originally. And now we have this amazing cursor that's uh, built just for iPad OS based on that original one. Mm. You know, Apple Watch could evolve greatly based on this stuff as well. Just imagine being able to flick your wrist a certain way to open an app or assign certain gestures to different app settings or workouts. It's, It's definitely opening a door for the future of the technology. For sure. It's very cool. All right, Wes, we have to talk about Apple Music and the announcements that Apple made this past week about spatial audio and Dolby Atmos support and lossless tracks. So many confused people (laughs) on these announcements. (laughs) It's very confusing. And then also what devices support which thing. And so I think it's helpful to distinguish these basically two different things that Apple announced. Honestly, there is four separate features here. If you wanted to get technical, how would you break it down in four different ones? I would say lossless, high res, Dolby Atmos, and spatial audio. They are four different things. Mm. And and the problem is, is everyone keeps trying to say lossless and high res in one sentence and spatial audio and Dolby Atmos in another sentence. And that gets cloudy because then you have to specify which is supported where. And it's crazy. It's absolute madness. Just right. makes things so much easier if you just talk about it one at a time here. Just to simplify things, Dolby Atmos is the is a surround sound technology that is used by like movies right. and TV shows to simulate a 3D audio environment. In February, they added the ability for musicians to simulate 3D audio using music and musical instruments. Hmm. And Apple is adding support for that with this update. Now, to confuse things further, Apple decided to lump the terms together by calling it spatial audio with Dolby Atmos, which is very annoying because you can listen to things with Dolby Atmos through equipment that is compatible with Dolby Atmos. So iPhone and iPad, the the newest ones, have Dolby Atmos support through their speakers. And then you can connect headphones and speakers. That 
works on anything that is running Apple Music, basically, through equipment that supports Dolby Atmos, including Android, technically, once it gets an update. Um, at launch, apparently, Android does not get Dolby Atmos support. Okay. Spatial audio is an Apple-only feature right. that uses the audio track from Dolby Atmos to give us the 3D audio environment, but uses the gyroscopes on the AirPods Pro and AirPods Max to let us turn our head inside of the 3D audio space. Right. That is the difference. Let's do it with the four breakdowns, like you were saying. So Dol- <laughs> Dolby Atmos, Yeah, you can listen to Dolby Atmos Apple Music with regular AirPods, AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, and your Apple devices that support Dolby Atmos, recent iPhones and iPads, and the Apple TV and HomePods. So that's Dolby Atmos support. Then like you said, spatial audio, which is Apple's additional feature to Dolby Atmos, that is supported, correct me if I'm wrong, but AirPods Pro and AirPods Max, and then iPhone and or iPad devices that also have spatial audio. So we begin to not include the regular AirPods. Yes, right. You have to pair the AirPods Pro or AirPods Max to an iPhone or an iPad, and that is it for spatial audio. Spatial audio is also coming to HomePod and HomePod Mini. Is that correct? Dolby. See, this is where Apple's this is where <laughs> okay. Apple's phrasing gets weird. And if you read the article, I wrote a, a compare on what spatial audio and Dolby Atmos is. Yes. And mention Apple needs to clarify some things. There, it, it's a mess. It seems that they are bringing Dolby Atmos support to the HomePods, but spatial audio doesn't actually make sense because... Right. It's not tracking your head. The audio is fixed right. to the HomePods in that environment. So technically speaking, you wouldn't act, it, it would just be regular Dolby Atmos, and, and then you're physically moving your body through the environment. I guess you could call it spatial audio, but I think that's cheating a little bit. Got it. The HomePod thing is the only exception i could find that there's no rule to yet apple hasn't clarified okay this episode is brought to you by start mail free email services like gmail and yahoo aren't really free you pay with your privacy or frankly lack of privacy since those companies have access to every email you send and receive those big tech companies can sell your data to the highest bidder if you ever wonder why you get ads for cruise lines or airfare after you've gotten an email or confirmation message from something It's because your email provider is using that information in your email to serve you ads and to sell it to ad companies so they can pinpoint and target exactly what you're interested in. This is where intrusive ads come up, and it also opens you up to identity theft and phishing attacks. That's why you can trust StartMail to secure your email today and feel safe again. StartMail keeps your email private, period. Every email is encrypted, even if the recipient doesn't use encryption, which means big tech can't read, scan, analyze, or sell your personal information ever. Not even Big Brother can snoop around your email. Startmail also prevents government agencies from spying on you, like in dragnet operations. With Startmail, deleted means deleted. When you delete an email, it's gone forever. And Startmail uses their own servers, not Amazon's, which means they can't be put out of business like Parler was. If you remember that, Amazon shut them down and Parler couldn't do anything. But that won't happen to Startmail because they use their own servers and they're backed by the most stringent privacy laws in the world. You get unlimited anonymous aliases. And this feature, if you want to sign up for something or give your email to a company, but you don't want to give your actual email address, you can create an alias, something that's not your actual email address, but it comes to your inbox. And if something happens where you want to delete that alias, stop getting email from whatever company that you signed up with, you can do that with Startmail. 
When I signed up for StartMail, it was a super easy process. It has a beautiful user interface on the web and they have a great app. Plus you can just use it with the built-in app on iOS and iPad on Mac using IMAP protocol. It's super easy to set up and I also value my privacy. And that's why I enjoy using StartMail knowing that my email is private and not being seen by tons of other companies and that data being sold everywhere. And I know my data is not being sold anywhere. Advertising companies may be after your data, but you can be empowered not to give it away by using StartMail. Start securing your email privacy with StartMail, and you can sign up today and get 50% off your first year. That is a whole half, 50% off your first year. So go to startmail.com AI. That's startmail with a T, S-T-A-R-T, mail.com slash A-I for 50, that's 50% off your first year. Startmail.com slash A-I. Our thanks to Startmail for sponsoring this episode. So that's Dolby Atmos and spatial audio. Most people will probably be able to tell some difference, even if you don't tell a quality difference, If you have AirPods Pro, AirPods Max, and your iPad or iPhone, and you're listening, and you turn your head, you should be able to hear that things move around the space, instruments and voices or whatever it is, and you should be able to notice that 3D space, quote-unquote. If you watched a movie with AirPods Pro or AirPods Max that has spatial audio slash Dolby Atmos enabled, whether it's through the Apple TV app or Disney+, Plus, you should be able to recognize that difference. And that's probably going to be the most useful feature for most people in Apple Music. Right. And not to beat a dead horse here, but it depends on the mastering of the audio because right. you can take spatial audio and place it, like use stereo and spatial audio and, and move your head around a stereo environment. That's not really going to give you anything. It just tells you which direction the audio is from. Oh, the iPhone's on my right hand. I can hear it on the right side. Great. But a really well mastered Dolby Atmos track can have up to a hundred and I think I said 128 sources of audio within a 3D space. Wow. And if you have physical speakers in a room, now this is this doesn't count for headphones, but you can have up to like 34 speakers connected to a Dolby Atmos environment outputting those 128 channels. So with headphones on, yeah, you're not going to be able to replicate that exactly, but musicians can literally place their their individual instruments in this 3D space and up to 128 locations simultaneously within that environment. And if they master it anywhere beyond eight or nine channels, you're going to notice that. Moving, Being able to turn your head in that space, you're going to hear the difference in the audio. Nothing technically in Apple Music supports it yet, but if you're on the latest beta for 14.6 or 14.7, Music videos, for some reason, Hmm. say that they work as spatial audio. You can tell this by opening the control center and pressing into the headphones, and you'll see the spatial audio icon animating. It did not animate on previous versions of iOS when watching music videos. So Hmm. the feature is enabled for the music videos, and you can tell a difference if you disable spatial audio. But they are not mastered for spatial audio. So you can tell that there's more space, that there's some sort of algorithmic change here trying to take advantage of spatial audio, but it's not exactly what we're expecting once the actual product releases in June. Got it. Okay, so that's Dolby Atmos and spatial audio. Then the other features that Apple announced was lossless audio and lossless high quality. Is that what they're calling it? It's lossless and high res, high resolution. Okay. That's the only, they're both lossless. It's just one has a higher bit rate. Okay. So you have lossless and lossless high res. Now, 
I encourage people to go to the website that we have in one of our articles, how to tell if you can actually tell the difference between lossless audio, which means either uncompressed or you know larger data files, meaning better quality, or a compressed MP3. And so it's the ABX test. I did the test with my AirPods Max plugged into an audio interface. Have you done this test, Wes? Yes, and it's a lie, so go ahead. <laughs> it's a lie? Wait a minute, why do you say it's a lie? I mean, that's encouraging to me. All right, so <laughs> I, I have the iPad, so I, I can't wire in with the AirPods Max to an iPad uh, feasibly. I, the, the test just would not work in Safari. So I had to go to my Mac Mini and plug in my headphones, and you could, there's just literally no difference between the tracks. I, I believe there's something tricky happening with AirPods Max, which we'll get into in a second, as to why lossless audio won't work with AirPods Max, but they are digital-only headphones, right? So right. correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't headphone interfaces generally analog output to your from speakers to your ears? Am I crazy? I encourage people to listen to the ATP segment. If you really want to get into this audio stuff, you know, Marco Armand talked about all this kind of stuff because audio has to be analog to hit your eardrum. <laughs> like That's what I was, yeah. Yeah, it has to be analog. And so if you even think about, if you have AirPods and you're listening to Apple Music from your iPhone, your iPhone is playing a digital MP3 file, transferring it through the air digitally via Bluetooth to your AirPods. But then inside each AirPod is a digital to analog converter that then makes the little speaker inside the AirPod physically move and make vibrations in the air so you can hear it. So any kind of headphone that is, I don't know, electronic or wireless, we'll say, is going to have some kind of digital to analog converter at the very least inside your ear. <laughs> you know, because it has to, you, in order to be able to hear it, it has to be an analog signal that hits your eardrum. All right, so I, I might be wrong in saying this. So does that mean that going from the Mac to a headphone jack, it's going through a digital to analog conversion to that headphone jack, running to the lightning port in your AirPods Max, getting converted back to digital, and then the AirPods Max are converting them back to analog to output from the speaker. Is, is that correct? I think so. I, I think so. And that's why, like, technically, there is no way, even wired, to get a lossless audio signal to the uh, earphones in your AirPods Max just because we, you're converting it twice. You're going right. to introduce noise at some point during those conversions, and it's just no longer technically right. lossless. So the point of lossless audio, and again, if you're an audiophile, maybe you've heard of the file format of FLAC, F-L-A-C, this lossless audio file is meant so you can listen to it on your super high-end lossless stereo system, whatever it is. Maybe it's speakers, maybe it's analog headphones plugged in directly that have no wireless kind of connectivity, but plugged into a headphone amp that's taking those FLAC files and playing them directly through a digital audio converter on your table. You know, that's lossless for the audiophile crowd. Now, Marco Arment basically argued you really can't hear a difference anyway. Like just from a technical frequency standpoint of music and equipment and how the human body works, that like there's really not that much of a difference. I agree. So there's that. I did the ABX test to see if I could tell the difference between lossy and lossless, which again, I, I don't even know how you could do that test on headphones like the AirPods Max that don't support a lossless codec, but I got 48% correct. What did you get? Oh, again, it's a lie because I couldn't tell a difference, so I just selected A on all of them and got 56%. So. <laughs> okay. The law of averages, I, I win. You did. You did, apparently, because I – listen, I have a 
music background. <laughs> I have a music degree. And I was like, I want to get over a 90% because I'm a music person. I should be able to get this. From an audio engineer, from what I've read, things that I've studied, like if you don't read the the dude who's out here buying $36,000 speakers because he has the money to do it, read an actual dude who went to college. And he will tell you, if you sit in a soundproof room stuffed with mat- mattresses and cotton. That's how they do it in the studios, mattresses. Negative sound space. It is so quiet that is inverting your eardrums. Right. And then put on a set of headphones and listen to a lossless track, you might be able to ascertain the difference between the two. But even just the general room noise around you is introducing just enough noise that you, you can't tell the difference between something like a lot, like, because the idea of lossless is that it is able to reach your ears as if you're hearing it from the instrument itself. But it's, it's just mind boggling to me. The science here says that you can't hear it, but, audiophiles will tell you different. So uh, choose right. what you want to believe, I guess. So from the audiophile side, you know, let's say there there is some difference that some small percentage of people can tell. Apple is going to have lossless available to the Apple Music catalog. But in order to listen to the lossless tracks as one would want, you will need a digital audio converter. So something that connects to a USB port on your Mac that goes to some kind of audio interface. That's for high-res lossless specifically. Right, for high-res lossless. Lossless will work over a standard headphone jack wire. Right, it's the high-res lossless that will not. And so you're going to need a digital audio converter on your desk and a pair of headphones, not AirPods Max, that will work with that for the high-quality lossless. Now, everyone was up in arms because Apple's new-ish $550 headphones, the AirPods Max, do not support this high-quality lossless format. Now, hopefully, Wes and I have tripped over enough explanations to, to bring some light to the fact that why it's not possible with the AirPods Max. Let me go ahead and contradict myself. Oh, okay, please do. So yes. as far as lossless goes, this isn't like we're not saying this is a useless feature that Apple should never have introduced. No, no. Obviously, there's a reason for it. It's competitive in the marketplace, but there's also good reason to have higher quality music catalogs available. Now, maybe we won't be able to technically hear the difference even with million dollar headphones, but the quality is there. And if, uh, so say you have a 4k TV, the the Apple TV right now that we're, we're upgrading to the Apple TV 4k, it's going from 30 frames per second to 60 frames per second on HDR video. Technically speaking, you're not going to notice that much of a difference, but there is a difference. And in some cases there will be just enough of a difference that you will actually be able to tell. And I think that's going to be the case for audio as well. Now, not every single song is going to sound absolutely amazing and perfect and pristine, but because there's the higher quality, bit rates and stuff coming to you you're going to hear what is technically a better quality audio source than what you had access to before and in some cases it will sound better right it isn't a bad thing no, they're no. not charging more money for it it's just an interesting thought that like yeah maybe it's kind of dumb that they're doing it in the first place it's appeasing a very small portion of the market but there are those people out there who will say hmm spotify has a high res channel right apple does not I'm going to Spotify. And that's pretty much the only reason why Apple's doing this, I believe. Yeah. And, you know, Tidal, this was their whole shtick. When Tidal launched and Jay-Z, it was all about the high quality audio that made it a thing. And that didn't go anywhere. You know, Tidal did not become a thing just because the market is so small for it. But like you said, I agree. 
not, like having it is not a bad thing. And adding this as a feature, it's competitive in the market. Great on Apple. Also for not charging it. They actually forced Spotify to lower their upgrade fee for their high quality tracks because Apple was like, here, we're just going to give it to you. So very cool. I guess to be clear, lossless, I, I won't say the numbers because they're basically meaningless, but lossless is what, 24-bit at a whatever frequency. And you can listen to that over supported headphones that are very high quality over a cable. Right. Bluetooth isn't going to support that. Lossless high res, you're going to need a DAC, a digital audio converter. Right. And you're going to basically connect that between your headphones and the, and the computer and hear an even higher quality audio file, technically. Right. If you're ready to get into it, there's also a rumor uh, from, from John Prosser that says that Apple's actually working on changing how AirPods and uh, receive audio and maybe changing codecs in order to get higher resolution audio over Bluetooth, which again, technically isn't lossless, but will be higher quality overall. Right. And so to that end, Spidey Sam on Twitter actually tweeted me this link to a device called a FIO. It's F-I-I-O. And it is a hi-fi Bluetooth amp that supports LDAC and lossless Bluetooth codecs to send those digital high-quality lossless music files to Bluetooth headphones. This would not work for Apple Music and AirPods Max because Apple has their own codec for this lossless high quality, which is ALAC, Apple's lossless audio codec. So this specific device won't work for it, but the fact that there is a device out there that claims at least to do something like this where you can get LDAC over Bluetooth, I think it lends credence to this rumor from Prosser that says maybe at WWDC, maybe later this year, that Apple will announce some kind of proprietary codec. You know, maybe it's because something with the H1 chip that Apple is putting in all the AirPods, or is it W1? It's H1 in the AirPods Max. It's H1 and W1. W1's in the original AirPods, I believe. That's right. The W1 is used in the Beats products as well. Right, that's right. If that rumor is true, great. You know, that'd be awesome. It would bring more value to the AirPods Max that people already have. But I'm also not banking on that. Like, that's not a deal breaker for me. Prosser specifically, and this is where it gets a little iffy, uh, he released a video that, like, a few minutes after we released this article on it because he made these comments on a podcast and then clarified more on um, his video. And he says that it's going to use AirPlay. Now, AirPlay is a Wi-Fi connection for music that that we use for the HomePods, uh, which uh, I guess we haven't mentioned. HomePods don't get lossless either right. for whatever reason. It, I, I believe it has to do with AAC. Apple uses AAC and HomePods and AirPods for their audio codec, and that's a lossy format, and there's just no support whatsoever for the lossless formats. And apparently, Prosser says that Apple's going to use some weird trick with AirPlay to allow uh, the AirPods to connect to that lossless uh, codec. But again, there's no Wi-Fi chips in the AirPods, so I'm not entirely sure what they're going to do unless Apple redefines what AirPlay is. Right. So once we actually get these features out, we will talk about them more for sure. Myself, Wes, we have AirPods Max, so we're going to test all this kind of stuff. And we'll see. And listen, let us know. Are you excited about this? I think the spatial audio thing is pretty cool. It'll be fun to try that out on different music tracks. Again, being a classical music guy, I think orchestra-type tracks, if music producers can support that kind of spatial audio features with orchestra and other types of music. It'll be really cool. We'll see. Let us know. If you're an audio, if you're an audio file out there and, and you're just steaming mad right now because we got something wrong, I think you should definitely tweet at us. I would love to hear from you for sure. Cause oh, sure. Not an expert at this for sure, but I would love to hear from, from you what your thoughts are as an audio file on all this. 
I'll say I side with Apple on this. I am excited for the updates for spatial audio and Dolby Atmos for music. Yeah. I think that Apple isn't exaggerating when they say that that is going to change music forever. It's going to change how we hear music and how we can interpret it. And mm. that is really important. And I think that is actually going to make a difference for everyone who's listening. Yeah. Not just the people who can hear wax melting on a candle. I don't, I don't, I've never tried to listen for that. I'll try to listen for that next time. Right. Or uh, uh, what's the other one they use? Uh, they can hear the mercury heating in a thermometer that's intense that that is that yeah i mean superhuman even yes i I believe that spatial audio and dolby atmos is going to be the game changer here and apple seems to believe so too because that is all the marketing they're doing it for uh, the apple music app is not advertising lossless so right well that was apple's announcement about lossless and spatial audio coming to apple music and we're going a little long but i do want to mention that the epic versus apple trial is actually ending this week as you listen to this podcast as it comes out on friday apple ceo tim cook will be taking the stand and so we'll talk about his statements on next week's episode I did think it was interesting that Apple VP Craig Federighi took the stand earlier this week and had some interesting comments to say about privacy, protection, and security, especially as it related to the Mac versus iOS. Some of his actual quotes, he said, quote, iOS has established a dramatically higher bar for customer protection, and the Mac is not meeting that bar today, end quote, he said. And so that's an interesting distinction for him to admit that they don't think the Mac is as secure as iOS. And this is one of the arguments that we've mentioned here on the show and other people have talked about that, you know, the Mac is open. Why not open iOS to third-party apps being able to download outside the App Store? And he also made this distinction about how the Mac is a car. You can take it off the road if you want to drive wherever, and that's what you bought. There's a level of responsibility required. But with iOS, you bought something where children can operate it and feel safe doing so. And so I think it's an interesting distinction that Craig Federighi is making from the stand about iOS versus Mac, the use cases and the level of protection they feel is required for each device platform. So again, we will conclude this Epic vs. Apple trial as Tim Cook takes the stand Friday, May 21st, and we'll talk about what the judge actually rules. Is Apple going to have to change their policies in the App Store? Did Epic Games lose this battle and Apple doesn't have to change anything? We'll talk about that on the next episode. But listeners, reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. You can tweet at myself or Wes. Those Twitter handles are in the show notes. Also, don't forget, you can get an ad-free version of the show at patreon.com slash appleinsider. You can support the show there. And you can also support the show by giving us a five-star rating and review in Apple Podcasts that helps us get discovered by more people looking for technology and Apple news like yourself. Also, don't forget to check out the HomeKit Insider podcast that gets released every Monday talking about smart home and HomeKit devices. And Apple Insider Daily, you can get the top Apple news headlines in just a few minutes. Thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next time.